Welcome to Acquiring Minds, a podcast about buying businesses. My name is Will Smith. Acquiring an existing business is an awesome opportunity for many entrepreneurs. And on this podcast, I talk to the people who do it. Today, I talk to Golan Manor, who runs acquisitions for an e-commerce aggregator. For those who don't know, e-commerce aggregators are companies that acquire smaller e-commerce businesses. It's a big trend in e-commerce right now, and there are lots of aggregators out there gobbling up e-commerce companies. And TCM Digital, Golan's company, is one of those aggregators. So he gives a ton of information that is valuable to anybody considering buying an e-commerce business. For example, at the end of the interview, Golan shares five very specific tactics from TCM's playbook about how to quickly boost sales of an e-commerce product or business that has been acquired. So this is their own checklist uh, from their own checklist and what they do, having done 28 e-commerce acquisitions, uh, these are like the top five low-hanging fruit things they do to boost sales uh, of a recent acquisition. So these are things that you yourself, if you go out there and acquire an e-commerce business, you can implement. And by the way, even with all the competition, even with all these aggregators running around, Golan doesn't think that it's too late for an entrepreneur or individual buyer to find good acquisition opportunities in e-commerce. In fact, he thinks there's still plenty of time. (laughs) So there's that. Uh, Enjoy my conversation, my very informative conversation with Golan Manor. You are the CTO and run acquisitions for TCM Digital, which is an acquirer of e-commerce products and companies. TCM has acquired 28 e-commerce products in a relatively short amount of time. So I want to dive into that. I want to hear how TCM does what it does, how it evolved into what it, it, what it now is. And then I want to hear, after having done so many acquisitions, um, you all have learned a lot about how to make an acquisition successful. So for the other acquisition entrepreneurs out there who have either acquired an e-commerce company or are thinking about doing that, uh, you have a lot of, of value to share with them. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that um, in the second half of the interview. But why don't we begin with the story of TCM. How did TCM start and, and did it start... Uh, is it what it did? It start? It was what it is today as an e-commerce acquirer, or, or, or was there something else? Tell me about how it started and then the, the, the evolution. Well, we uh, originally started uh, as an agency, helping uh, offline businesses take take their offline brands uh, online. But um, we uh, it was about six years ago where we were. Uh, becoming aware of the uh, huge potential around uh, generating private label uh, products, uh, we started uh, building brands from scratch for uh, our uh, customers. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very uh, uh, successful. And uh, we've got a lot of uh, interest and demand from uh, passive investors that are really looking to uh, acquire or participate in this uh, rapidly growing uh, segment of mm-hmm. uh, e-commerce, and uh, and we understood that growing new brands organically, we will not be able to meet the, the demand for uh, for this uh, kind of uh, growth. So uh, 
that's when we we started the acquisition and very quickly we understood that we have to have uh, supporting uh, technology to be able to both identify the uh, right assets to acquire uh, as well as to uh, to help grow them uh, at a very efficient uh, way mm-hmm. and um, and that's where we are today with all the acquisitions that we've done uh, we've perfected both our technology and our uh, know-how and uh, we are now what uh, is called uh, an aggregator and and explain to people what that means that's a term you hear a lot in the e-commerce world these days essentially you roll you're you're acquiring e-commerce companies and using uh, economies of scale and synergies to make those more more efficient yeah with i, I would say a, a little bit of a twist here a uh, couple of twists really that we uh, also develop our own technology that helps us both uh, identify and quantify these potential new acquisitions uh, as well as uh, develop uh, technology to help uh, grow them. And we are not only focused on what is really the hot area of Amazon FBA businesses, we also uh, acquire off Amazon e-commerce businesses that have uh, presence in their own website, Shopify, maybe have already their own uh, community, mm-hmm. and even uh, SaaS businesses. Okay. And so you've developed technology to source deals, essentially. Yes, we've developed technology to, to both be able to source and quickly uh, quantify potential uh, deals. I would say that the funnel for, for a new deal has, been, has become quite significant uh, over the last uh, couple of years. And so we had to make this process of being able to really understand and break down the, the parameters of, uh, of an e-commerce business uh, very quickly. So, so we've developed tools and technology to be able to really pull up data from all kinds of sources. It's going to be Google, it could be Amazon, uh, it could be information that we get from uh, the sellers themselves. Have it automatically uploaded to our, uh, what we call the super brain, mm-hmm. and then be able to uh, generate what we believe is the right uh, price for uh, for the asset. Really understanding what is for, for each niche in that business, understanding what's the competition, uh, what are the trends, if that particular niche is growing or declining, this gives us a more granular visibility into the business. And we are therefore much better able to predict how this business will perform over time. And this is how we really find those hidden gems, say rough diamonds, that maybe not everybody else uh, has identified. And so we're not really in there to compete against making the highest bid, Mm -hmm. but really understand where potential assets have 
huge growth potential and be able to uh, leverage that. And are you running this algorithm against complete proprietary deal source? You're, you're going out there and identifying e-commerce stores yourself, or you're looking at some of the e-commerce stores that are already for sale and being brokered on some of the well-known e-commerce brokerage sites or, or a combination? Both, both. Uh, obviously it's easier, uh, when the, uh, when the business owner already knows that he's interested in selling. Right. So uh, we get a lot of uh, direct uh, uh, contacts from uh, our sellers. Uh, they don't even know what the value of their stories, but they know that they're interesting, interested in getting uh, offers. And of course, we are in, uh, in contact with all the major uh, brokers and websites. Uh, for these kind of uh, deals and acquisitions. Okay. Okay. Uh, I want to step back um, quickly just to, to drill down a little bit on, on how the strategy evolved into acquisition. So when you said you were initially doing private label products, um, so you were developing your own products and by private label, you just having an outside manufacturer uh, and then privately branding them. Um, would you, and you had said that demand, you couldn't keep up with demand in, in doing those. Uh, can you elaborate on, on what, you, what you mean by that? Like you, the, sure. the investor demand for how much capital they wanted to deploy, or do you mean consumer demand or uh, please elaborate? The, the investor demand. Really what, what we saw is when you develop your own uh, private label product, it takes roughly uh, a year from you know ideation to having the product really become uh, profitable, and there's obviously a lot of effort uh, involved uh, around it. And we were very um, we were looking for a way to be more streamlined and to be, to be more efficient in in how new capital is being deployed and also how returns, how fast returns can be generated for uh, those investors that are, were interested in deploying this capital. Mm -hmm. So this is where we started looking for a uh, business uh, to acquire businesses that are already profitable and therefore can generate returns uh, day one and then take those businesses and further grow them with an interest. Uh, at the later stage, you also uh, uh, sell them potentially. Okay, uh, and so does that mean if I'm considering launching an Amazon product, would you advise the same thing that 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 what you the strategy that you've undertaken is pretty much universally relevant? That I should acquire an e-commerce company rather than starting something from scratch? I guess it depends on my own time horizon. But if I want to go fast. Exactly. Exactly. It, it very much depends on the type of uh, entrepreneur that you are. Some entrepreneurs, they like to start with the blank slate and have their own idea, maybe based on their own passions. Uh, we've seen that a lot in the businesses that we've acquired. That uh, Those businesses came about uh, around a certain passion that, that the seller had, but if you're really, I would say, a kind of a serial entrepreneur 
that's really agnostic as to uh, what is the actual type of business, mm-hmm. but already you have the business acumen and experience of how to take businesses to the next level, then obviously I would suggest that you find the right business for you to acquire and then uh, take that business to the next level. Have a business that's already profitable. And if I wanted to go out there and acquire then, um, can you tell me kind of broadly what deal terms I should be offering to people or more specifically, can you give us a sense of the deal terms that the TCM typically offers? Well, that has drastically changed over the last uh, three years. Uh, when we uh, started our original acquisitions, uh, we were talking about uh, multiples that were in the range of maybe one and a half, 1.8 of the yearly profit. Um, now the, the multiples, say the average multiples are more in, in the range of three, mm-hmm. three times the yearly profit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in itself is an average. So there are businesses that we've acquired recently that are below that multiple and also businesses that are above that multiple. Very much depends on Parameters like uh, the market size, market share, uh, growth uh, trajectory, the breadth of products in the portfolio, things like that uh, affect the, the multiple. And when you say multiples have gone up, let's let's dive into that a little bit. Um, so general, I mean, that would be one trend that's occurring in the e-commerce market. Things are getting more expensive, probably because the rise of the aggregators, as I, as I heard somebody characterize it. There's, there's a lot of companies or more and more companies like TCM out there looking for opportunities to acquire. That drives up the price, i.e. the multiple of what e-commerce companies are selling for. Are there any other trends to be aware of? I think it's really... Um, uh as issue of supply and demand, the uh, the supply of e-commerce businesses available that are, I would say, well enough on their growth path to be uh, acquired is limited, and and these multiples are still very low compared to public companies. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of growth there of acquiring, aggregating those businesses into a larger uh, structure and then taking that structure public with much higher multiples. Therefore, there's a lot of money flowing in to these kind of acquisitions. And like real estate, when the money comes in, prices go up. Right. <laughs> like every market, I think. <laughs> yeah. And the growth of e-commerce in itself, obviously, is an important factor because really, if, if you look at compared to other uh, uh, businesses, penetration of online e-commerce into the general commerce, general retail, is still very low. We we're talking about the low double digits. Mm-hmm. Um, Even after COVID, because I'm hearing, Golan, that like 
everybody in e-commerce now, obviously they had, many of them had the best year ever last year for because uh, everyone was at home shopping. And now the question is, you know, and, and, and you keep hearing that that pulled forward e-commerce demand by four or five years. But now there's a big question, how much of that demand, that e-commerce, that aggregate e-commerce demand and, and user behavior is going to stick uh, and how much is going to recede as life hopefully returns to normal. Um, so make a prediction, if you would. What, what do you think about that? Well, we're, we are already seeing that uh, COVID has uh, a permanent effect. Um, we've, in our businesses and in businesses that uh, we've acquired over the last six months, we see that obviously there was a, a huge spike uh, Back when uh, COVID hit, uh, you know, around uh, March, April, probably all the way uh, to uh, August, um, the, the the spikes in some cases were ten times the revenue, the normal monthly revenue for a certain business, and that has definitely uh, went down. But Still, when you look at year over year mm -hmm. for months that are beyond that effect, and like we're here right now and uh, entering the second half of uh, 2021, mm -hmm. you still see that uh, this growth uh, really, as the analysts say, kind of expedited the exposure to e-commerce, people, you know, having no other way to acquire stuff, went online, understood how easy it is, how comfortable it is, mm -hmm. and and now, uh, you know, you can't go back. Right, and yet we're still in the early days, double digit, as you said, yeah. double digit penetration, yeah. teens penetration, meaning the percentage yeah. of overall consumer spending. That's uh, that e-commerce accounts for is between ten only between ten and twenty percent. Yes, uh, right now probably uh, for twenty twenty one predictions are uh, plus minus the twenties, but it's still again if you compare it uh, to other types of businesses in terms of penetration level, you see that there's still huge room for uh, for growth. Yeah. Uh, if you look at uh, real estate, obviously, uh, penetration levels are much higher. Growth overall in real estate is really only attributed to the growth in population. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, if you look at uh, uh, mobile phones, for example, you know, 10 years from now, sorry, 10 years ago, there was a, a huge growth. Now, everybody has a mobile phone. Every, everybody has a smartphone, so the growth is only, again, the, the, the general growth in population. So this segment, uh, e-commerce, is still relatively uh, unique in the fact that it is quite large, yep. but still in terms of penetration levels, still relatively low. Okay. Well, if I'm, an, again, an acquisition entrepreneur, I'm thinking about making an acquisition of an e-commerce company and multiples are going up, um, sophisticated players and public companies or companies that are expecting to go public that will trade at a higher multiple. So just so people understand, 
if in the public markets, companies typically trade for a multiple of their profit, a multiple of earnings, and those multiples are a lot higher than in the private market. So let's say what would throw out an average PE, uh, average multiple earning 20? Yeah. Yeah. 20. So 20. No, some, some companies uh, uh, can be even a uh, hundred, but uh, right. yeah. If I'm a company that trades at 20 times the multiples of my earnings and I can acquire a private company for three times its multiple earnings, I have what's called multiple arbitrage. I'm basically acquiring these companies for much more, much cheaper than the, than the public market will value my own company. So this is a very powerful um, a very powerful dynamic if you are a larger company or a public company whose whose multiple uh, whose earnings multiple is valued highly. So uh, the question for you, Golan, is is if I'm you know I'm just an individual, I'm not ever going to have that multiple arbitrage opportunity. Probably, um, at what point do the multiples get uncomfortable or get un, become unwise for me? Is it five x? 6x or is it are we already getting to the point where as an individual entrepreneur the multiples probably unwise if you were going to go out there alone today on your own where would you feel comfortable um buying at what multiple what would that ceiling be i think that i mean still if if you look at the multiples that we are uh, uh seeing today around three four on average these are still very comfortable multiples when you compare to other types of uh, of uh, businesses. Uh, if you look at real estate, you're talking about uh, uh, longer periods for uh, for getting your full return on investment, and so uh, it's still very even for the solo entrepreneur. It's still uh, very attractive. Okay, and it will remain so probably for quite some time. It very much depends on, I would say, the amount of money that you want to deploy, mm -hmm. because we definitely see that the smaller uh, assets have smaller multiples than the larger assets. Mm -hmm. The uh, aggregators or the public companies are obviously more targeting the larger uh, businesses. Um, when you have uh, $100 million uh, of acquisition money to, to deploy, uh, obviously you will look for the larger businesses. It's easier to make five acquisitions for $20 million each and, and not 100 acquisitions for $1 million each. And so this still leaves a lot of room for, uh, I would say, the smaller, serial entrepreneurs to take uh, a half a million dollar business or a one million dollar business, grow it for several years, take it to the next level, and then sell it to, uh, to a larger uh, group or an aggregator. Excellent. Well, that's a very, that's a very enticing possibility. Let's uh, let's let's do an example. Um, I, I don't think you all have sold Hammock Sky, right? No. It's still it's okay. Still, it's still ours. Yes. So so this is um, Hammock Sky is actually a story that I had heard about uh, already, and um, so it was one of your acquisitions. Can you 
tell us the story of, uh, of that acquisition at, at a high level? Yes, um, uh, we did it uh, back in uh, 2019. Um, um, and it really uh, quickly was very apparent to us that, again, it was a very strong business, but um, we understood that there's still a lot of uh, room to grow. Um, when, uh, as I explained, when we look at, uh, at businesses, it's not only what they're generating right now. It, we look also to where we can take those businesses. Sure. And, and, and uh, tell, tell us what the product was, Golan. Yeah, the uh, Hammock Sky, as the name suggests, it's, uh, it's an online brand for hammocks, mm -hmm. for outdoor uh, hammocks you know, in the backyard kind of hammocks, not those that you take for a uh, for, uh, trip. Uh, right. Not portable. They're mounted. Not portable, yeah. They're permanently uh, installed in, in your backyard. Um, hammock Sky focuses on, uh, on large hammocks, you know, double and even larger than double uh, hammocks. And it was founded by a solopreneur type yeah, individual. Yeah, yeah, it was founded by... Uh, a uh, solo entrepreneur, expat, as they say, that lived in Thailand. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had uh, connections with manufacturers through a previous uh, business of his. And uh, he started the uh, uh, hammock start. And in most situations, it, it became quite big for him to, to continue to operate. And uh, he decided that uh, he wants to do something that more aligns with his uh, original passions. And, uh, and so decided to sell. Okay. We uh, saw the opportunity uh, in the business and uh, we took it and, uh, and grew it. And we also had the great, uh, unfortunate, I would say, but still great uh, happening of uh, COVID, which in this situation, people stuck at home had a huge spike, saw a huge spike in, uh, in demand for, uh, for our products. So this business grew very, very nicely uh, since then. And so what, can you give us um, a sense of the numbers or the size, just a sense of the size of the business and, and a sense of what you acquired it for? I cannot give uh, really specifics, but uh, I, I can say that uh, we've acquired it in uh, um, around uh, two and a half uh, multiple. Two and a half the, times uh, its earnings. Okay. Yeah, on the earnings. And, uh, and if it's seen uh, since then uh, over 50% uh, growth. 50% growth. And was this was this a six figure business, a seven figure business? Can you can you say? It was a, a seven figure business in terms of revenue. Okay, excellent. And so, in terms of the growth, I mean, you had the again unfortunate tailwind of COVID. But let's talk about in 2019 when you acquired it. You did not foresee COVID, of course. 
And, but you still saw potential in this business, potential to improve it, potential to grow it. Uh, what did you see in Hammock Sky um, that, you know, was the low hanging fruit that, you know, if, if TCM acquires this, here are the things that we're going to do. Um, well, the first thing that we saw is that the business was solely focused on Amazon.com. And we were already with the multiple assets that were spread in the US beyond Amazon.com uh, on, on Walmart and uh, also uh, with their own websites. So the first uh, opportunity was obviously to, uh, to grow the business beyond just Amazon.com in the US, mm -hmm. as well as, as take it beyond the US. Mm -hmm. Okay, so essentially increasing the distribution channels. Yeah, being less uh, dependent on just what happens in Amazon.com and also being uh, one of the nice things about uh, Hammock Sky is being very much, um, I would say, uh, a seasonal product that's centered around the summer months, spring mm -hmm. and summer months, mm -hmm. um, by taking it also to uh, example for Australia, we're able also to generate revenue in those slower uh, months, which are the summer months in Australia, which are the winter months in the, in the US. The, the dual hemisphere strategy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, you, let, this is a perfect segue into tips. You, you have been writing online about um, kind of a playbook that e-commerce acquisition entrepreneurs can follow uh, to Im improve a, 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 an e-commerce product or e an e-commerce acquisition. And one of those tips is in fact, diversifying off a single platform. Usually that single platform is going to be Amazon. If, if somebody is selling something, sometimes it might be Shopify. So that's one of the tips. Why don't you tell us what the other four tips for growth uh, of an e-commerce acquisition are? Okay, so um, one uh, method that uh, we used obviously uh, uh, for Hammock Sky was to look at the product portfolio and what our customers are really uh, looking for. What are the uh, challenges that they, they're facing in using uh, these kind of products? And then uh, expand the product portfolio around uh, those challenges. Mm -hmm. so as an example, uh, we saw that the uh, ability or the challenge to attach these hammocks to trees or to other elements in their backyard is very important. And so we added all kinds of accessories to uh, make that process much easier. And another thing that we saw is kind of obvious, but still not a lot of people pay attention to it, is issues of size and color. We expanded the uh, portfolio of different colors and, and patterns for the hammocks, and we expanded also the sizes, taking us all the way to extra, extra large so, okay, expanding the product portfolio and expanding the, um, the variety 
for the the SKU for the individual SKU that you acquired as well. Uh, and obviously, this is this is a no brainer because you already have customers that you can upsell to. You essentially. Yes, exactly. Um, it's uh, looking for customers that, or so, sorry, looking for products that are in the same niche, or if not in the same niche, but still really relevant to the same uh, uh, buyer persona. Um, so uh, it can be complementary products, uh, it can be accessories, or it can be all kinds of variations in the same uh, product. Great, great. Okay, what would, what would another one of your tips be? So uh, we've talked about taking the, the products off Amazon, we've talked about uh, uh, adding products. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, effort should be also taken into really optimizing uh, the customer experience when they come to your product page. So we spend a lot of uh, effort on photography, on uh, copywriting, making sure that since it's an online experience, to give as much detail to the, to the buyer as to what kind of experience he's gonna have with the product. What are the uh, unique selling points, even how he's gonna feel after he, uh, he bought uh, the product, and also optimizing the content in terms of uh, in terms of searchability, making sure that when people use certain search terms to locate the product, this is how you usually find products on Amazon, mm-hmm. that we have those relevant search terms in our product listing in the relevant places to make that uh, discovery process much better and also to improve conversion. Sure. So improving the search by searchability, that's almost like SEO, but SEO specifically on Amazon or elsewhere. Yeah. And then the, the product listing itself from a, really from a marketing perspective, market the product better, uh, it, more detail, more just as much kind of communicating the value and communicating the experience of the product as possible. And you find that a lot of, of your acquisition targets have under-explained the product or under-marketed the product? Yes, yes. Uh, in many situations, again, these were solo entrepreneurs. Many of them, you know, success really hit them by surprise, I would say. Uh, yeah. and, and they were growing very fast. And so they didn't have any really incentive or time to invest in really perfecting and improving the uh, product pages. We have, of course, uh, a big team of copywriters, graphic designers, photographers. So this is kind of part of the usual process that we do for every product that we have. Great. Okay. And then the other, the other two tips? The other is... Uh, a lot of uh, effort also should be uh, 
put to optimizing your paid advertising. Sure. Um, this is something that can either lose you a lot of money or make you a lot of money. And here again, uh, in many of uh, the situations that we came across, these entrepreneurs were doing their own uh, paid advertising, managing their own uh, campaigns. And when we brought in our professional team and our tools, we were able to uh, do that much better. And that not only affects your paid advertising, your return on ad spend, but it also affects your organic uh, uh, exposure because both Amazon and Google, if, if they see that your uh, ads are performing very well for a particular keyword, they will also organically expose uh, uh, buyers to those keywords and, and so generate organic traffic as well. Oh, that's, I didn't realize that. Your, yeah. So there's a positive spillover. If, you, if your PPC performs well, your organic is pulled up yeah. a little bit as well. And, as and well. even, uh, it, and it goes both ways. I mean, if you're not optimized, if you're spending too much money and your ads are not converting, then you will see less and less organic exposure for those non-converting keywords. Right, right. As you said, either an opportunity to make a lot of money or lose a lot of money. <laughs> exactly. Great. And, uh, and last but not least is uh, create the community uh, around your product outside of, uh, of Amazon. Um, that's... But one of the reasons why we have uh, acquired another company, a, a SaaS company called Ninja, Ninja Outreach. Sure, I know Ninja Outreach. Yeah, which is an influencer marketing uh, platform. Mm -hmm. uh, we use Ninja Outreach to generate communities around all our brands through influencers. Influencers, of course, get exposed to our products. They post uh, all kinds of stuff uh, around our products, and that generates a very, very strong community. Uh, an example is a, a brand that we have called uh, Lensball. Lensball, Lens and what is that? Lensball is, uh, as, the, as the name suggests, it's really um, a kind of crystal ball, but used for photography, and, and it's generating very nice photography effects. And so there's really a, a, a photography enthusiast community around Lensbook. And this uh, resulted uh, really in a, a large following. Uh, we also published uh, an online course on how to uh, make this kind of uh, very unique uh, photography. Um, and that generated uh, a lot of sales by itself. And of mm -hmm. course, increase the overall sales of, uh, of our Shopify store. Excellent. And would, what about things like Facebook groups? Do you ever set up a Facebook group around a product or is that not, would that not be the, the right tactic? I would say that Facebook groups are not as effective uh, now as, as they were in the, in the past. Okay. Uh, so, so there is usually also a Facebook page. But we don't, uh, I would say, spend too much effort on growing uh, 
the community really, I would say, organically grows. And, and when you do outreach to influencers and, and an influencer likes the product and wants to promote the product, uh, is it not a risk that even if, if they develop, if they help cultivate the following of this product, they're, they own their own channel, of course. So you don't, that, that community that they've helped foster, you don't really have direct access to. You only have indirect access to it. Yeah, well, the same uh, thing goes for uh, when you advertise on uh, Google and uh, Facebook. Uh, sure. This is, a, I would say, another very important channel. And obviously, influencers, we're looking into Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. They generate content all the time. They are looking for uh, great stuff to write about. And we, there's a, a great synergy because we don't need to generate the content. They right. are generating the content. Right. The content is, I would say, uh, much more from the user perspective. Natural. More natural, exactly. And so the response is in, in most situations is much better than where you're, you're yourself as a brand are posting an ad. And, and how does it work exactly, Golan? Do you incentivize them? Is it an affiliate relationship or do you just send them, a, do you send them free samples and if they like it, they'll talk about it anyway or, or does it vary? Like, I don't know much about influencer marketing. All of the above. Okay. Really, uh, really depends on, uh, on their footprint, on what they're interested in, uh, in doing. Um, sometimes it's an ongoing relationship. Sometimes it's just a one-off relationship. Very much uh, depends. And is Ninja Outreach, you all acquired this SaaS company because you were, you were a customer of it, using it for your own influencer marketing. Is it something that is still available to the public? Yes, yes, okay. very much so. For us, it was uh, kind of a, a two-punch combination. We have the, a tool that's uh, very uh, synergistic with what we're doing, and it's already a profitable uh, online business. So we keep it as such. Is there anywhere that people can reach you online if they maybe want to talk to you about acquiring their, their e-commerce company, or maybe they want to acquire an e-commerce company from your portfolio, or they just want your advice. Where can people find you? Yeah, well, our website is www.tcmdigital.com. tcmdigital.com. Very good. Great. Well, thank you for your time, uh, Golan. This was, this was awesome. And uh, maybe we'll circle back around and have you on again. It was a pleasure. 